Hello, my name is Jason Gant. I'm the pastor of Kids and Families here at Church of the Resurrection. This is the With Parents podcast. I'm so glad you've tuned in. And today is a very practical, practical episode, an interview with Dr. Rebecca Chow. Dr. Chow is a clinical counselor. She is uh, here on our staff at Resurrection. She's going to share with you some great tips as we approach the holidays, stress over the holidays, actual takeaways like one, two, three, four, you can take away today on how to approach well, the trauma we've all been in. You're going to learn about different generational perspectives, some neuroscience, and also some ways to respond to your child in moments of connection and in moments of reaction and how we regulate. This has been my favorite word of this interview. So let's get into it. Uh, so let's jump in. Thank you, Dr. Chow, for joining us today on this episode. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about having you. And uh, well, first of all, just tell us about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited this morning just to come with you. Well, I'm Dr. Rebecca Chow. I'm the Clinical Director of Counseling Services here at Church of the Resurrection. And what I like to tell people is mental health is my thing. So that's what I do 24-7. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're also a mom. Yes. Yes. Have, Tell us about your kids. Yes. I have an 11-year-old son, David, and a 17-year-old daughter, Sophia. And I feel like we made a connection there because I have two daughters, 17 and 14. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm paying attention to today's episode just because yes. I know you're speaking not only from your expertise, but also your experience mm -hmm. and to parents. And, and part of what we wanted to cover today was really around the stress of the holidays, right? So yes. the holidays are coming. We can't escape them. And, yes. and I always joke, I have genetic responsibilities, right? In the holidays, we, we're excited to see our family. It also can bring challenges, lots of expectations, lots of things to do, lots of things we have to do, feel we have to do. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to give us some great tips today. But, but let's begin by, I think some important stuff you just taught me was really around generational uh, neuroscience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about Gen Alpha. I know yeah. it's kind of uh, the new learning as our youngest. Well, you know what has been interesting lately is there is a lot of talk about the mental health crisis, right? right? And I always tell people, yes, this is a very challenging time because we just came out of a pandemic. Right. And see, the interesting thing is we all went through the pandemic. We all experienced that huge stressful event. But each of us have a different perception of that event because of our generations. So this generational stuff is really cool because this is the first time in the history of humankind that we actually have five generations going on at the same time. So the boomer generation, which are typically the grandparents, our parents, sure. then most of us are either Gen Xs or millennials. Then we have the teens who are uh, Gen Z. Right. And then we have Gen Alpha, which is the coolest generation yet to have existed. The okay. most diverse, the most yes. full of energy, the ones that are the most focused on individuality. So I am excited about them. They're anybody that was born after 2010, 2011, all the way to 2025. And yeah. I am excited. I'm also terrified because they're really cool, but also very different than any of us. Right, mm -hmm. right. And there's the and there's nuances to each generation, right? Mm -hmm. Because of some of uh, well trauma yeah. that we've gone through. So the trauma of the pandemic, all of us. Yes. But then also there's these generational markers, yeah. right? That really have shaped Gen X, mm -hmm. have shaped millennials, and and Alpha will be shaped by that. Absolutely. Right? And see, the social markers actually determine how we perceive stress, how we handle mental health, how we seek help. 
So it's very interesting because when the pandemic happened, what happens is we all continue to live, but we all didn't continue to develop. So there is a big uh, challenge for us as parents because we entered the pandemic not being fully prepared to be 100% parents, 100% teachers, 100% workers, 100% partners. And we had very high expectations of ourselves, right? Right, So pandemic was going on, but we still wanted to totally be there and be present and be fully engaged. What happens with the younger generations, so Gen Z and Gen Alpha, is they have gone through the pandemic and all of those key things that they were supposed to go through that will allow them to develop, they didn't experience. So three-year-olds didn't go to preschool. Five-year-olds didn't start kindergarten until they were seven. If we think about our teens, you know, the pandemic hit them when they were in seventh grade, eighth grade. So many of them didn't have eighth uh, grade graduation. They had freshman, was hybrid. So all of a sudden we had 13 and 14-year-old cognitively, emotionally developed 17-year-olds that could drive (laughs) and could get themselves into a little bit more trouble. And they didn't have those three years that are usually determining how they mature to be 17-year-olds. So we have all of the independence of a 17-year-old with a 13-year-old mind and emotional development. Yes, so true. Practical for my life. Yes. I have a 17-year-old daughter. Yeah. Some days she seems so mature. Mm-hmm. And other days, yeah, there are struggles that I don't expect. Mm-hmm. And that's unfair, really, for me to expect that of her. I I, I forget. That that's exactly what happened to her. The last half yeah. of eighth grade, she didn't get to graduate. She missed the first half at home every day. Mm-hmm. I had to be the teacher. I, you're right. Yeah. We all had to kind of play these roles. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really considered that as trauma yeah. until talking with you about it, which I found so insightful. Yeah, absolutely. And see, there is a. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit about the brain right now. But what happens is we were created in a very special way. So we were, we are created to face challenges and then have all of these, uh, our bodies created to have all of these substances in our brains and into our bodies that give us enough energy to act when there is threat or when we feel danger. But then as we act, there has to be almost also moments of calm, regulation, being able to center ourselves again, moments of quiet when we go like, man, did we really go through that? But see, what happened with the pandemic is we all dysregulated and we never had those moments of calmness because trauma continued to happen. So our brain didn't have the capacity to catch up with our heart. So we all are in this, we are all, our window of tolerance is a lot shorter now. So a lot of us, so children, adolescents, and the parents, what is happening is we experience things in extreme. When we are happy, we are extremely happy, joy. I mean, we cannot hardly contain it. And also the opposite, when we're sad, there is these levels of sadness that we're experiencing right now because we are so dysregulated. We were never able to catch up our our breath. Right. Trauma, situations that were challenging keep happening and happening and happening. And our brain just faced those those challenges without having those moments of calmness and then regulation so that we could face yeah. the next one. So I love 
the term regulation. So this is my new term you've taught me today, which I, hey. I just love this idea of like, how are we regulating? And then we're often in a state of dysregulation mm -hmm. and then finding that. Something you said earlier too, was that we are functioning in extremes. Mm -hmm. And that, that stuck with me that in so yeah. many ways, like this super happiness or super sadness kind of extremes, mm -hmm. uh, that, that hit home. That mm -hmm. felt like, yeah, I've experienced that. And mm -hmm. I've, I have family members that have experienced that. And uh, I don't know if you can relate and others can relate, yeah. but gosh, that's so true. And see, the, the issue with this is not only we're feeling all of those extremes, but nobody's talking about it, right? Right. So then the way Which that... Just business as usual, yeah. right? Just business as usual. And everybody's trying to keep the appearance that, oh, I, I, I can handle this. Now, our body is telling us you cannot handle it. Because, see, we were created with a special uh, with a, a special way of knowing when things are not right, which is our body. God mm. gave us this body, right? So our body tells us, before our brain can catch up, how we're feeling right. when those streams are hitting. So if we are able to just pause long enough to understand what's going on in our, our bodies, our bodies can tell us that we are in that extreme place. Right. right now, while we're in the middle of a mental health crisis is because of those extremes. Hmm. So what is happening is because our brain never catch up with our, uh, our, our heart and we are so disconnected from our bodies because we don't want to feel this uncomfortable. I like to call it wonky, which sure. is when I am not at the top of my game wonky. and I yeah. just feel this, ah, you know, it's just, ah, you just feel like you're in a state of you're with the brakes. You cannot go. You yeah. feel like your day passes and you, you had all of these things to do and you couldn't catch up. Sure. That's feeling wonky. The reason why that's happening is because we're typically either focusing on the future, mm -hmm. right? And worrying about all the stuff that is coming or worrying or regretting decisions we had made in the past. And because we're not regulated, because we're not fully present, most of the time our brain is functioning for a state or alert. Right. So we make decisions on this extreme. When we're super happy, we spend more money than we were supposed to spend. When we're super right. sad, we just cannot get ourselves, right. you know, to even think about some of the things that they go well. You know, sometimes right. as a parent, I have a lot of regrets. I actually tell this to people and people think like, you know, a, a counselor should have. Right. I mean, how many mistakes can I make through the day? <laughs> I have the highest degree, the most experience of this, this mental health stuff. I can tell you, there is not a night that I lay down in bed and I don't think I could have done better for my son or I could have sure. done things better for Sophia. Yeah. So then what's happening is the expectations that I have for myself are so high right. that we are internalizing all of this sense of failure without giving ourselves self-compassion, right. which is like, you know what? Yes, could you have handled this differently with David? Should you have yelled at him because he didn't really um, stop playing on the phone when you told him to stop? Sure. Maybe yeah. there was a better way to handle it. Sure. Maybe I should have taken a moment to pause and really think about, am I angry about the screen time or am I frustrated because the laundry list of things that I have to do? Yeah. Maybe I would have still set the limit, but maybe without screaming or yelling at him. Right, right. It, it, so regulation and the idea of rec like recognizing how much we project on others, 
mm-hmm. because of the stress, because of the worries, because of the doubts and the fears. Mm-hmm. I love that you said, you know, even as a professional counselor, you get to yeah. the end of the day and you start to reflect back and feel like, oh, I, yeah. didn't do, I didn't do it right or I, did, I made a mistake. That's yeah. pretty human. Right? Absolutely. And I, and, I, and I hope all of you feel that way. You probably do. I know I have often. In fact, the best parenting I've done has been when I learned from the mistake. Not, not, yes. not when I did the right thing, but when I, I had a mistake and then learned and mm-hmm. then next time did it a little differently. Right. Yes. And I want to get into that practical kind of ideas mm-hmm. because we're approaching the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I just know that that's just going to create a level of anxiety mm-hmm. for the whole community around us, right? It just starts to create because the demands are high. The excitement's high. Mm-hmm. It's joyful. We get to see our loved ones. We we spend time. We give gifts. We all do all the things the holidays bring. Eat food. Mm-hmm. But we also, uh, the stress raises, right? And you shared three practical ways with me that I thought were brilliant. Um, the first was to take a pause. Tell us more yes. about that. Well, you know, I love the concept of taking a pause. Now, by personality, that's challenging for me because I'm always, you know, I'm always thinking about the next thing and how I can do this with David and I can do this with Sophia and I can do this at work and stuff. So it's really amazing because I have lots of opportunities. The downside of that is also that a lot of the time I am living through the moment without actually fully experiencing. Mm. See, if we're able to take a pause before we react, remember, our brain, because of what the traumatic experience we went through, through the pandemic, we are more inclined to react now in extremes. Mm. So we tend to react so fast that sometimes we do things that are not typically what we probably will do. So if we were able to pause and just notice what your body is telling you, right? Do I feel like my heart is pounding? Do I feel that acid stuff on my stomach? Am I really anxious about not being able to meet the expectation as a parent? Or does this has to do with something that is not related to being a parent? Maybe it has to do with my own stuff. See, that moment of pause can really give you an opportunity for your brain to catch up with your heart. Right. So you're not just being reactive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one was just for me. So I don't know if anybody else. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to confess right now. I tend to be reactive. Yeah. I I am instant reactive, and and most of the time I need to take a breath first and pause. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. Yeah. Really, and just take the pause, uh, and really see the different perspectives, mm-hmm. see things broader than maybe whatever I'm caught in. Um, I really appreciate that as a practical. Yeah. Um, the second one you shared was interesting because I had not thought about this. You said to go inward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us more about that. And then a, a concept of going inward is a lot of the times is being able to understand, am I perceiving this situation differently because of my own generation, right? So we were talking right. about Gen Alpha and Gen Z. One of the things that I tell people a lot is, you know, for millennials and for Gen Xs, which is us, the parents of Gen Zs and yeah. uh, Gen Alphas, screen time, uh, social media presence, man, it's hard to understand. I give yes. this example a lot. There's a time David comes down, he does, he has this TikTok uh, account. He comes down and then he opens up his phone and then one of his videos had gone viral. So now he has 2.5 million views. Wow. Yeah. And his face, he is just so excited, excited right? right? 
and he tells me this and I know what he wants me to do is he wants me to celebrate with him. Right. Like I did when he will walk out of preschool and he was very little and he'll show me that he was able to trace the D and I will be like, heck yeah, well done. you know what, <laughs> I'd be so excited. But all I can think was like 2 million, 2.5 million. I mean, how do you wrap your head around right. it, right? Right. And then I could see his noticing, right? My reaction right. to Your reaction's it. not what he hoped. Yeah. Thankfully, right? I have a Gen Z that was just walking down the stairs. And then he turns around and says, Sophia. And then she starts jumping up and down. And they both okay. start doing this song that somewhat is related to Elon Musk. Again, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> right. But it gave me the chance to pause, okay. go inwards and say, I know this sounds crazy, but this is just the same as when he was showing you that D. Right. Right. Do you need to follow up with, my husband's name is Sai, do you need to follow up with Sai to make sure that he's all over this because technology is, is his department. Right. I'm supposed to focus on the emotional part. Technology <laughs> and keep us as safe is okay. his department. Right, because you immediately go to protecting your yeah. child, right? Like do it's I, just a natural, like you want to protect your child. Absolutely. Do right? I need to have a conversation with Sai? Absolutely. But can you focus on the present right now and understand that this anxiety that you have has nothing to do with David? Right. It kind of. But right. what does David need now from me? He yeah. needs a mom that is present in the moment that can celebrate yeah. this huge accomplishment. That's right. He wanted to share it with you. Yes. And we can't miss those moments as parents, right? Like that's a really exactly. valuable moment. Those are milestone moments, yeah. markers. If your child wants to celebrate with you. And you don't understand. Read. Yeah. Because see, it's so hard to understand when you're from a different generation, right? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's like, why? Right. I mean, these <laughs> right. people are loving him just walking on his crux. And then I have been working on my social media presence for the past five years, and I'm throwing wisdom out there. And I only, I've never gone viral. Never gone viral. So, no, you know, no, me either. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just that concept it's of a generational difference. How do you even grow in? So yeah. being able to go inwards and understand. Yeah. Understand that maybe there there is a difference, and this can create conflict. Yeah. But is it necessary to approach it right now? Uh, is it really this related to David? Or does this has to do with me not understanding this right. generation? Right. And am I terrified? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but at these moments, like yeah. you were just saying a second ago, do we need to step aside and celebrate right. and find those moments of connection? Because those moments of connection are key That's right. for them to develop strong mental health. Because I identify with what you're saying and yeah. feeling here, at least it felt a similar feeling uh, in the same way. I'm always concerned about my kids' safety. How, who's viewing this? Do they know who you are? Are you using yeah. your real name? All those kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. But then there was a day where I felt like I got it right. Yes. Out of nowhere, my daughter says, I want you to do this dance with me. Yeah. So now, of course, the pressure's on of like, do this dance well. This is the moment, right? This is the she moment. finally invites me to do the TikTok dance with yes. her. We do it. And I did okay. Hey. But, you know, she liked it. And it was yeah. like, okay, we had a moment. We had a connection. And so, uh, mm -hmm. and now I've got to make sure I don't try too hard to make that happen again. But let it happen organically. Yeah. Um, but I love that. So take a pause. Go inward so that you can really regulate uh, mm -hmm. your responses and how you approach it. And then the third 
right back to that word, the power of co-regulation. So tell yes. us more about what that means and, and yeah. Absolutely. Well, so another really cool thing is God has created our brain with something that is called mirror neurons. Mirror neurons are the things that activate and then it's kind of like a power up. It's like a spark in your brain okay. that, that sparks when we're having these moments of connection. So what happens with that is like when you have a little baby and you look at their face and they smile back at you, your mirror neurons activate and then you smile back. Right. These same things happen, and we call this in counseling, it happens from the cradle all the way to the grave. Okay. So what happens is if we're not acknowledging that we don't feel right inside, we think nobody knows. But see, this is another really cool thing about Gen Alpha and Gen, Gen Z. They have these, uh, I like to call it like those heat goggles. Okay. You know, when you put your heat goggles, you can look around and you can see what's hot and what's cold. They have yeah. emotional goggles. Okay. They can see right through your, right through all of your appearance and go like, you're not right. If they're <laughs> teens, they're like, let's do this, right? Because remember, they're also dysregulated. They're supposed to be dysregulated. Right. Teens are supposed to go through that level. We're not. We're already right. past that stage. Right. We so don't have that excuse. Anymore. We don't have that we, excuse. We've got to be accountable to our regulation. Literally. <laughs> so if we are calm and we're pausing and we're noticing what is happening, our Gen Alphas and our Gen Zs can grab that from us. Right. If we are not, if our mirror neurons activate your anger, activate your frustration, activate your anxiety, you take it in. And now I'm anxious. So if we are able to be congruent, this is something that I tell people all the time. How are our kids and our teens going to learn how to manage some of the challenging emotions if we don't model them? Right. Right? Right. So when your kid comes over and says, like, Mommy, are you angry? And you're like, no. But you know you are. It is more powerful to say, yeah, you know what? Today was a mess at work. Yeah. And I barely make it to the car line. I do this to David all the time. <laughs> David, today was not a good day. I barely make it here. I have this pile of things that I have to do, and I'm just a mess. And then David looks at me and says, oh, mommy, right? But right. that sets the stage, right? And right. I said, and then I pause because then I remember, wait, he's in the car. So I look at him and I said, man, but I'm so glad to see you. Right. 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 So, so you, you, honest and transparent, but not making it all about you no. and your child, right? Like because you're trying to model. Them. You're yeah. trying to model. I am not okay inside, but I am sure glad you're here. And that's the power of correculation, right? right? Is being able to say, I feel a little bit wonky. Yeah. But I just saw you, and you're here, and you're present, and you matter, and I matter to you. That That's connection good. is so much is so crucial for development, for being able to face the life challenges that we come to them when they're grown-ups. Right. See, because everything that we're doing right now is we're investing in their little minds so that when they're grown-ups, they know how to seek help when they need it. They know how to communicate. Right. Um, and you mentioned something that I want to also touch base before um, we continue is it's so important that it's not about perfect parenting, like what you were saying about the TikTok and how it just came out. Uh, sometimes we do have the appropriate response 
right? We go, but right. a lot of the times we don't. Sure. And at the power of redoing something. So it's okay if you didn't respond the way that you know you could respond, right? right. Like when David jumps in and I'm like, oh, this, all of this is happening to me. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, that wasn't the most appropriate response. He was excited to tell me something that happened at school and going like, oh my gosh, David, sorry, honey. I just made this all about myself. Right. You were going to show me something. Right. The power of... The power of the redo. The power of the redo. It's not really about perfect parenting. It's about good enough parenting. Having the capacity to go back and say, you know what? Tell me about what, what was going on with you. That was really cool. I just missed that because I was texting. Mm. And I think that was important. I do this all the time with Sophia. You know, sometimes yeah. because of the busyness of baseball and all the stuff we're doing, I realized, oh my gosh, I've told her I was going to follow up with her. And it's 10.30 and I'm laying down in bed. And right. I'm like, well, I can probably do that. In the morning. Sure. Well, can you do it right now? Yes. So I get myself up. I put my glasses on. And then right. I walk to her room and I said, Sophia, I forgot we were supposed to talk about, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then sometimes she goes like, oh, yeah, it wasn't a big deal, mom. Let's talk tomorrow. And I said, okay. But, you know, I see her face is like. She didn't forget. It mattered. Yeah, it mattered. Would it have been better if I had it responded mattered. at 3 o'clock? But you did it because you had a redo. You made sure it was a priority. And that takes me back to something I learned um, from screen parenting. And uh, 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 the idea, or, or at least all of the statistics when, have, when kids have been asked, teenagers especially, what they want from their parents, it's space to be heard. Yeah. It's space to be heard. And I always thought that's so valuable. And they might not want to talk in that particular day or space. And we can't get frustrated at that. But we have mm -hmm. to just continue to open up that space mm -hmm. to be heard. Right. And yeah. um, that was always one of my takeaways. And, and I'm hearing some great practical stuff you've taught us here. So to take a pause so we're not reactive. So we um, think about the different perspectives to go inward. What is my body telling us, mm -hmm. uh, telling me what, what are the signs and understandings? Be be sensitive to recognizing that with our mental and emotional wellness. Yeah. Is it a generational difference? Generational difference, yeah. right? Because there's so different perspectives and five yeah. generations now on the planet, yeah. right? Power of co-regulation. So that's great when you talk about the mirroring neurons and this idea of, of what you project is what you'll what you'll get back, right? And um, and then uh, we also talked about breathing. You talked about yes. breathing earlier. Tell, tell us a little bit more about the breathing. Well, see, another trick is sometimes it's really hard, right? You're trying to do all of this stuff and you're like, well, what, what was I supposed to do? The, the, uh, the sequence of the situation is not important. But if you can remember this, it's our brain just need time to catch up okay. to our heart. And the only way we can create that time is by doing something sensory. So our five senses, right? Either taking a moment to have a glass of cold water, right? Feeling the coldness going in through your mouth. Or, you know, even touching this table right now, when I put my hands in here, it's cold immediately. When we do something sensory, it brings us back into the present. Right. Thinking about the concept of breathing, right? When you pause and you go like, Right? It immediately calms us. It immediately brings us into the present. And why that is important is because the only time we have control over is the present. Right. 
So right. being fully focused on the present and using our sensors, uh, our sensory integration, which is being able to use our senses to connect with the present, allows us to, again, have that moment of pause, notice what we're doing, and then having the capacity to reach out for help or to be able to understand, well, maybe this is not that big of a deal. What can I do? It gives us an opportunity for an action plan. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love seeing where the therapeutic and the divine, the spiritual come together. Because one thing I teach kids when I have the opportunity to teach kids is a prayer they can always pray is always a breathe in, breathe out prayer. Mm -hmm. It's just a deep breath in and a deep breath out to remember where the breath comes from, mm -hmm. that God gave them that breath of life. And so God mm -hmm. is with them. So when they feel alone or they feel afraid to take a deep breath in and out, knowing that breath reminds them the spirit of God is with them. So it's a beautiful moment. It's both therapeutic and it's in a spiritual formation. Absolutely. Uh, I'm also reminded of the biblical story of Mary and Martha, mm -hmm. right? Sisters and Jesus comes to their home. And one of the sisters is really focused on Jesus. And she is in a place of sitting at his feet while the other is focused on the expectations and yeah. getting the food ready and trying to put forth their best hospitality posture, mm -hmm. which both are high value. But in that moment, in that day, Jesus says to Martha, Martha, come and be with me. Be present with, with me like your sister Mary is. Part of that's because Jesus knew what was about to happen. But it's this beautiful reminder that we are to be present not only with God, and that's the loving of God mm -hmm. with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also to be present with our neighbor, the, those, our family, our friends, even those we don't yet know to love our neighbor in that way. And so... Um, Feels like even though we've kind of had a therapy session here together, I, I that's what I feel like. I've got some takeaways. I hope you got some takeaways. Um, we really believe mental health and emotional health, spiritual health, wellness is critical here at Resurrection. That's why we have Dr. Chow on staff and a whole team of people offering care and counseling here at our services. You can go to the website, resurrection.church, and find out more about our counseling, confidential counseling. We have scholarships available. We have multiple counselors in uh, in all kinds of fields uh, of, of any hurt, habit, or hangup you might be struggling with. Uh, I can tell you that our family has benefited from the counseling uh, ministry here, and I'm so proud to serve a church where that's important. Mm -hmm. And we have lots of pastors that can help you in spiritual coaching and counseling, but we also quickly come right to our professional counselors to say, how can we help this person get the right therapeutic support they need? Mm -hmm. um, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It is absolutely a sign of strength, dare I say, courage. That's mm -hmm. important. Know that we're here for you. We want to be that kind of church. That's part of why we started the podcast was to give you tips and practical ways. Share this with a friend. I uh, want to thank uh, Dr. Chow for spending some time with us today. Uh, love your energy. Always fun to talk. And and uh, and then finally, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we'd love to invite you to be a part of Resurrection. You can go to resurrection.church to find out. Join us online, TV on the weekends, as well as six different locations in the Kansas City metro area. We would love to welcome your child in our kids ministry. We've got amazing staff and volunteers as well. And of course, amazing staff in our care central ministry. So thanks for joining us again today. And if you found this helpful, share it with a friend.